next time you're in Antarctica. Oh, um, well, I'll be there next Tuesday. It, well, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Hey, just in time. There we go. Before your annual trip to Antarctica, mm. which is the bottom one, not the top one, by the way. <laughs> I need to, to address the... my travel plans then. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would aim the boat <laughs> in the other direction. Um, if you're there and you, uh, you are looking to geocache, because I'm sure you'll be bored, um, you know, because the resort scene isn't <laughs> there isn't isn't what it was. Mm. Let's see, it peaked in the '80s, and really, it's kind of been phoning it in. <laughs> so, if you're there um, and you're looking at geocache, there is a geocache there called Ublek and the Sea of Ice. <laughs> really? Yeah. Go on. I want to know more yes, about this. Yes, yes. They call it the, a stone cold evil cache, meaning it is um, particularly difficult. Like, who put it there? Well, that, that is a question. So, uh, the geocache is on top of a frozen, active volcano volcano past a lava lake and hidden under a rock. <laughs> it's that last one that I think is too far. Like, hidden inside a volcano, okay, I get it, but underneath a rock, really? Yeah. So, th- so, this um, Mount Erebus is, is 12,500 feet high. And you have to go up there and just, I guess, start turn over rocks. <laughs> like, if you make it. <laughs> like, if you don't, like, slip into the lava lake, the active lava lake, um, and or die from the cold or, or many polar bears reasons mm. to die up there. Um, and are there polar bears on Antarctica? I don't think there are. I think there are... I don't know. Oh, man. I can't remember. I think you're right. I think the life, the, the stuff that lives is on Antarctica. Yeah. Like polar bears, penguins, the other ones. We digress. Arctic is just Santa Claus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's the only. Him and the elves are the only ones that can make it through. And the elves like have this thick, leathery skin because they need to stand up next to the elements. So they're really terrifying. <laughs> anyway, that's what I've always thought. So that's fun. But if you're in Antarctica and you happen to go down now, only between December and March. So. Here you go. Okay. Right in time. I'm right in time. December into March, um, it, it the temperature shoots up to 26 degrees, and you may be able Balmy. to find find uh, your way up the mountain. How big is it, geocache? Like, is it underneath a big rock or a small rock? Is you it, know, I don't have any this, more this specifics says all, than that. All the rocks, turn them all over, The and search is it. the fun part. <laughs> um, anyway, as far as, far as this uh, difficulty range at a five out of five scale, mm-hmm. this one. It's six. It's tough. It's it's not. But if you get there. uh, If you get there. We have a half-used can of paint. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we do. It's bare. Chalk paint. It's, it's, it looks like it's high quality. I mean, that's only what? Six or eight months old? Yes. Yes, absolutely. My goodness. It's only been through two winters in a Wisconsin garage. Well, my my goodness. It would even survive in Antarctica. Absolutely. You can use it to paint the geocache because I would just take it home. (laughs) If you found it. <laughs> Geocaching scripture. Geocaching is this rarefied sport hobby in which people look for these little treasures. And the treasure hunting is the adventure in it. So, again, if, you're, if, if you've seen one 12,000-foot mountain in Antarctica, you've seen them all. Yeah. And if you need something else to do while this you're there. This again, why well, might as well look for a geocache. I'm so bored if I get any... Any bars on my GPS, I'm going to look for this geocache right here. So, um, geocaching scripture is looking for these little treasures of, of history, language, culture, 
historical situation that make the scriptures sort of come alive and and put the treasure hunting back in reading scripture and looking at the dimension that's already there. So I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And this is Geocaching And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Mm -hmm. Luke 2, 8 through 14. I gotta say, I, I just remember singing in the Christmas cantata, the Christmas of 1993. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I remember when churches used to use words like cantata. <laughs> cantata. Gosh, yeah. I miss those days. Yeah, yeah. Our church wasn't big enough to have a choir, so we just had a cantata. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I sang in the cantata, and I sang, Glory to God in the highest, wow. peace on the earth, and goodwill to men. Heaven has sent us a Savior. Yes, the tenor part to, <laughs> to a 90s knockoff Christmas song. <laughs> I, I remember I was in a, like a small like boys' choir, mm. and like we always would like sing this song about the star pretending we were the wise men. And like I, there was a line that was like, there's a star in the east and we must follow. And you're supposed to point like your finger from here to here. But I always did it opposite. <laughs> so I was the kid pointing the wrong way. <laughs> and the conductor hated me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Dan. There's Dan from Remedial Awana again. <laughs> oh. Give him a candy. <laughs> Give him a candy. He'll spend 15 minutes trying to open it and he'll be quiet. Good memories. <laughs> I, I do love your church memories because you're like, as far as theology, but then into the spreading into the rest of rest of knowledge, you're one of the smartest people I know. And your stories in church are always like, were you breathing enough? <laughs> I was a late bloomer is kind of how it went. You saw you pointing out, pointing out to the west and thought that kid's gonna be an academic. <laughs> so this is that revelation to the shepherds: glory to God in the highest. Um, we all, if you have a nativity scene in your house, you have shepherds around it. If the nativity scene is a patchwork like mine. Jesus is very small, and the shepherds are gigantic because <laughs> they're from, like, a different one. So you kind of have to just put it together. Plastic shepherd, you know, Jesus is, like, the size of your thumb, and plastic shepherds are, like, yeah, it's, like, it's the size of your garage. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. So this is a revelation to the shepherds, and the shepherds in that society at that time um, were outsiders in some sense. Um, they were considered sort of marginal in society as far as their jobs go. They were in touch with animals. It was gross. Mm -hmm. It was like, was not a, um, not the clean pastoral image that we have. They would frequently be dealing with death 
They would frequently be dealing with blood, all of which would make them unclean. Yes. It's tough. It was it was tough for them to in a walkabout day just be around people because of the the purity issue that they often ran into. Yes, absolutely. So they would have been excluded from a lot of things. They would have been considered outsiders. Um, Philo described them as he said they are held to be mean and inglorious. <laughs> I love Philo. He has a way with words. I guess. <laughs> Sheesh, mean and inglorious. Come on, Philo. Um, and what's interesting here is these shepherds are the first people that that experienced the revelation. Yeah. Um, and, and in a sense, like the title that we sort of came up with this was Annunciation to Nobody. Because there is a sense in which there's... Nobodies are the ones who are chosen. Well, it's like you—it's like you win the Super Bowl, and then to announce that you won the Super Bowl, you go to like someplace in the UP and tell like a tiny little family up there, and like no one knows but this tiny little family. <laughs> absolutely, yes, absolutely. And it, and as far as like um, winning friends and influencing people, we see we see Jesus failing at that again. Yeah. Um, even before you know he's he's able to speak. Um, so the shepherds are the ones that receive it. And what's interesting, too, is this is in Luke. So Luke wrote with an um, economic hermeneutic, which is a million-dollar word for, to say he wrote a lot about money. Yeah. And he, but he, like, Luke loved people who were not just poor in spirit, but poor. That's mm -hmm. just it. And so that, that's one of the distinctions between the Beatitudes in Matthew and Luke, for instance. Matthew says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Luke just says, blessed are those who are poor. Who don't have money. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Like poor, poor. Um, and that's that's part of the issue here. So they're the first ones to receive the revelation, which is, which is, uh, it goes in line with his sort of upside down hermeneutic mm. that he brings into the whole story. Now, Matthew, the first people to receive the revelation are? Magi? Yes! Yes! Which I love because that sets it on its head as well. Mm. Because if Matthew wrote to a Jewish audience mm. and he said the first people to receive the revelation are these foreigners <laughs> who we've never met, who came from thousands of miles away. And, and so in Luke, they're the forgotten poor people. In Matthew, they're the foreign people, mm. which, which the Israelite population would have had a ha mm. hard time. Mm. What do they know about faith? Mm. What do they know about anything? So, um, And anyway, check back on the uh, episode from last year on the wise men and on Jupiter and Saturn coming together. Which is going to happen this year. It's going to happen again. That's amazing. Yes, yes. Jupiter represented the king. Saturn represented the people of Israel. And they came together. And um, So listen to that. I won't bore you with it now. But it is awesome. And it is going to happen again. So we'll see. Between that and the monoliths and this weird year, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, so the go ahead. Do you know what one of my favorite parts of this story is? Hmm. It's and it's verse thirteen. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. I just think about like <laughs> these poor lowly shepherds, and like suddenly like out of nowhere like a flash mob of angels <laughs> just like crisscrossing and dancing. <laughs> And they have the choreographs, and they're doing their thing, and they're praising God in the highest. <laughs> there's, there's one angel who doesn't get it, who can't point in the right direction. <laughs> He's pointing due west. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just imagine like these haggard old shepherds like smoking cigarettes. They don't really like people. And suddenly there's this like 
overly boisterous, sparkly yeah, like, group of angels just praising God in the high. Yeah, like all just, great crowds. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Real fans. He's just, just like, what? <laughs> rugged <laughs> loners out in the field. No, they love crowds. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, and you do have that, this, this isolation mm-hmm. being set on its head. Yeah. Where the multitude is here. And, oh, you know, fear not, thou who art loved by God and honored by God with this announcement. And these guys are like, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what now? <laughs> and uh, and so you have this upside down quality all through the Gospels, and Luke loves to do it, where he has the priest muted. The priest can't speak, like the priest is done talking, which is hilarious. Really, it's almost laughable. That he turns it on its head like that. And then the priest's wife is the one who's spontaneously <laughs> saying theological things. So we're talking about an illiterate, rural woman um, who had never read a word, who, who probably had very rudimentary understandings of theology and anything like that. Who's the one who does all the blessing? And her husband's like... <laughs> Honestly, if I was Zachariah, I, 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 I was muted... Like mm-hmm. even after the angel gave me my voice back, I would still be like, I, I still can't talk. I'm sorry, everyone. Like I would just I would just go with it. I would play that card as long as I possibly could because yeah. it's just nice to have an excuse not to talk sometimes. <laughs> 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 says says the busy dad the busy dad who pastors a church is like, Nope, still new. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And and uh and that is it, though. It's the enunciation to nobody that God that God brings in um, those who aren't anyone we would choose, and aren't anyone we would think of as likely. And um, He brings in people like the shepherds, like the wise men, like Simeon, like Anna. Um, I just think of a like an instance in my own ministry where I um. I was an intern at this really cool church in Vancouver, Mm. and it was very hip, and Mm. everything in Vancouver is disgustingly hip. hip. It's just hip all the time. Like, can I not be hip and just eat my cereal? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I don't want to eat my cereal in a cool way. I just want to eat it. Um, So I'm at this church, and and we were talking about miracles, and we had watched a Jesus movie on on miracles, and, and we're talking about, you know, like, you know, how it's, we kind of tied it off the way that people do like, you know, miracles happen rarely. Mm-hmm. And there's one of those things and they happen a lot when Jesus was here and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as we were sort of closing, like with this kind of unsatisfying mm-hmm. end to this conversation, um, I heard this lady in the corner say, I am getting blank, blank, blank fed up. And I was like, Oh, good. <laughs> it's Wednesday. Why not? <laughs> Um, and this lady was this fascinating woman who, who had this crazy patchwork of beliefs that included Christ and a lot of other characters, um, but very typical Vancouver kind of person who, who, um, grew up sort of, you know, not being taken care of and taking care of herself. And, and, and she showed up with us having aborted a few babies and mm-hmm. had, uh, various drug addictions mm-hmm. and spent most of her life going to therapy and trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd shaved her head, I remember, and she's sitting there with her shaved head going, I'm getting blankety-blank fed up. And she says, I got friends dying of 
AIDS, dying of HIV, everything. You know what I need? I need a blank, blank miracle. Hmm. And she's throwing pillows and stuff. <laughs> she's just mad, mad, mad. And the rest of us were like, <laughs> and me and the other, you know, I was an intern, so I really didn't know what to say. But I look over the pastor and he's like, <laughs> you didn't know what to say either. So, um, but he, so she's screaming and yelling. And the only person who came in to speak to her was Tanya, who mm. was uh, mentally handicapped. Mm. Um, and Tanya was a special Olympics Olympian mm. who would war wear her medal to church every every week. You know, she was this little sprightly person who was also a real pain in the neck. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she's got her diaper on and her, like, stretch pants mm -hmm. on. And she just she goes and sits next to this gal and puts her arm around her huh. and says... God loves you. That's um, beautiful. And and just held her mm -hmm. as she cried and as she groaned in the pain of this moment, which was a very, very real mm -hmm. moment. And more real, I think, than us trying to tie the scripture off of the bow mm -hmm. and say this this completely mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And 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 fortunately the shepherds didn't go, let's tie this off of the bow and make it make sense. Mm -hmm. They just went well, I guess we better find what's going on. Do you know what I, what I love about that, though? It's like the the angels never say where baby Jesus is. They just say... It's true. And this is how you know when you find him. And so I just imagine a marauding group of shepherds going, going around looking at every house for a child, scaring the dickens out of half the women in the I city imagine. before they imagine. actually find baby Jesus. I imagine. Like, but then I also yeah. imagine what it's like to be Mary. Saying, like, is this real? Did this really happen? Like, you're mm. holding a child in your arms. You're maybe even doubting the, the words of Gabriel. Like, is this really the promised child? And suddenly, without expectation, a group of shepherds come in and say, you won't believe what we just saw. And it's confirmed yeah. in Mary's heart. Like, this, yeah. this is indeed the Messiah right. born to Israel, but given first to the poor. And I, I think there's a, something beautiful in that. So it's annunciation to nobody. And God reaches out to those nobodies. And it's Christmas Eve. And here we are remembering the God who reaches out to nobody. And I, for me, I'm a sucker for Christmas. And I love it. And I'm watching Christmas movies and eating cookies until I like go into a coma. And all kinds of wonderful things. But you may not feel wonderful at Christmas time. It may be a time of painful memories, who knows what. And you may feel like nobody. And God wants you to know that you're first. Mm. And you're the somebody who receives the announcement of the king. Merry Christmas. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.